everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Hello and welcome to LOI Central. On today's show we have Lorcan Fitzgerald, Expose, ex Shelburne, now with Wexford uh, to come in and chat about a rather easy game that they have in the FEI Cup coming up at the weekend. And it is Cup weekend as well and it looks as though uh, the league again is uh, basically on the way to Shamrock Rovers. Dan and I both in Tala on Sunday. Shamrock Rovers recovering from the battering that they got Thursday against Ferenc Faros um, and it looks as well as though Cork City have effectively sealed the title in Division 1 although we'll see what happens on that score we've loads to get through today we are in association with Future Ticketing um, who we're delighted to say will be looking after our live show tickets which we'll talk about a bit as well in the next uh, week or so um, we're also in association with the Porterhouse Brewery We'll be giving away four more beers this weekend, and we are in association with Collar and Cuff. It's uh, wedding season, Dan. You got married in around this time of year, eight September. Did. Yeah, that's right. Well, remember very that well remembered. Because my parents got married. Say a lot of people get married in the autumn of their lives, and autumn as well, actually, around this time of year. And Decky would like to remind you if you are getting married or simply going along to a wedding. Nice offer on a free uh, shirt and tie, Dan. You mention us. We should mention as well, we've got Connor Hoy coming on. Yes. Draw the United chairman who's going to speak a bit about a piece he did with me at the weekend. Um, about sort of, uh, to summarise it, it's like go full time or end up in the first division was basically. Sink or swim. Effectively, yes. Mm. So um, there's been a lot of response to that. So we're going to get Connor to join us. And I suppose Larkin would have a bit of perspective on that area too given how he's operating in the league as well, but sort of, um, I guess, part-time clubs, you know. Mm. So we'll, we'll, we'll listen listen to, to his thoughts and their thoughts about that. So Could be a first. Yeah. Could be a first. Live show is coming. It is coming. Te- we should mention. We should mention. What can we, what can we reveal what can on we today's say? show? What can we reveal who who do we have booked in? So it's on, as you mentioned, Sunday, September the 4th. We have a couple of things to, to, to reveal. Horrific planning by you having your 40 the night before. I mean, you can't, mm. you can't do that. I mean, we want to be fresh. Want to be lively? Instead, we'll probably be hungover. Well, I mean, we want it to be an authentic show. So, like, <laughs> if we if we run, to life. if we run in there overly prepared and like ready and like we have to add some, have to compromise it in some way. I so just like, offer tickets to Electric Picnic on the Saturday as well. Now that might be a step too far. I at feel like it might, be, it might be yeah. a step too far. I'm, I'm, yeah, like I don't want us to have a have a row like on the eve of the live show, <laughs> if possible. Like, let's let's avoid. do it on the night of the live. Let's show. Let's do it on the night itself. Let's let's do it as the way it should be. Uh, yeah, we're gonna put the tickets on sale. We will tweet this and put it out on the Instagram, but we'll probably put the tickets on sale on Thursday morning. So just to give people a chance to listen to this week's show and be prepared for that, because like I know not everyone will. I suppose, you know, with your timelines and stuff, you could miss it. But they're probably, we're going to put the tickets out, I think, on Thursday, probably around 11 a.m. But we will tweet that or put it out on Instagram. It's limited tickets, uh, important warning as well on the night. Um, it's in Lost Lane. So it's in it's, Lost uh, Lane off Grafton Street. We have, we're not going to get it bogged down in the details, but it's, you'd want to get there ready to be guaranteed a seat. We'll have a small overspill standing area at the back. Um, mm. so, so the latecomers may not be seated. To make that as a as a we were putting it out there now, Johnny. So like people get there early, get, get there early, up. get there early, and and get your seat. You know, um, you've been given forewarning that if you're late, you might be standing. But to be honest, it's quite a small room and it's grand. Um, guess wise, I don't know. Should we should we tease our it sponsors out? are all involved as well. Let's mention this. So Porterhouse Brewery are effectively the owners of of the building. Future Ticketing are helping us with the tickets. And Decky's gonna suit us on the night. I think. Yeah, and 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 Malone Insurances as well have, have have helped us out with some of the costs around the night as well. Lovely. Too. We've we've. Done 
done well. We've done the, the full set, but um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, Who we'll, can we we'll say is next coming? Week. Well, we've got Chris Shields coming. Yeah, we can say that. Big um, name. And we've got Chris Shields coming down, um, and I think we're going to reunite him with a, the one person he considers a, a football friend. Friend. Friend, which is Dave Webster as yeah. well. So I think they could bounce off each other. Um and yeah, we've 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 I think we've one or two other guests sort of booked in, but we'll 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 talk about them maybe next week and closer to the time. You'll be surprised when you see who's there on the night. Well, I mean, we could be surprised. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you uh, booked you in. Jeez, I thought I told you. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. It, it should be good either way. I think it yeah, should be good either way. I think the uh, it's about the experience thing, not just about the guests, but the guests are going to be good. And they're opening up the bar downstairs under a new name with a, a high on cocktails menu like Dingle Gin, which would be Dingle Whiskey. You're talking yeah. highbrow cocktails. But, um, I've, yeah, as I said, it's it's cocktail limited. of laughter it's, and booze. It's it's as I said, it's and laughter. <laughs> it's a limited number of tickets, so people will need to to move quickly on Thursday to be. Would you say we're sellouts? Um, well, I don't know. I was yeah. talking about the Premier League for three hours last night. Oh, so no, yeah, maybe, I heard yeah. you had Kenny Cunningham on. You spoke about Shells and Bowes and Duffer earlier on. Mm. I mean, I suppose <laughs> Duffer. Reflect on last week. What was that about? <laughs> Didn't see the Duffer Kevin Doherty feud coming about at the start of the year. <laughs> Kev, um, Kevin Doherty feuding with anyone. Well, I mean, the context really there. Feud, like, well, no, yeah, well, yeah, it's a bit of edge. But it, it goes back to the previous week where Drawda beat Shells and Duffer headed off at full time without shaking hands, which did annoy some people not just I think to draw the bench but I sort of I know other people were there at the time just thought it's not great you know it was a bad defeat now Kevin Doherty then went in an interview afterwards um, where he spoke about real Shelburne people which is but then Duffer came over and shook his hand well, uh, no well, the yeah, yeah so this is the thing people aren't aware of this part maybe that like <laughs> Kevin Doherty gave this interview where he said real Shelburne people but, but I think Duff must have been told then or someone said or maybe realised himself because he didn't shake hands so I know uh, a couple of reporters that were there then saw Duff come over and make a point of shaking Kevin Doherty's hand afterwards. But then Duff goes home and sees this Kevin Doherty <laughs> interview talking about real Shelburne people. And I, I don't know, does he? when does he think it was done or, or not? He's but not a badge way, kisser. But either way, it's it's festered away with him the whole week. And all of a sudden now he's uh, he's gunning for Kevin Doherty. And like there is a bit of a draw to shells tension thing anyway. Um, with some of the player movements over the winter, Indeed. and I suppose shells coming on stream probably targeted quite a few of the the draw the players. Very know, little between them on the table, and, like, and, and they did succeed in, in getting mm. a couple. But um, yeah, and and um, I mean, I suppose I think Drada would make the point that shells have a bigger budget, and that's why they take more joy. And Connor Hoy will definitely Gary, make that point. Yeah, and Gary Jeegan, you know, was was there. They didn't have a great time before at shells, so there's a lot of lif- little subplots and stuff. So. Um, that is, uh, yeah. And, I mean, and the thing is, we'll, we'll talk about bows probably in the mailbag. Um, I was passing Fibsborough there uh, cycling here, and a uh, stream of people actually making their way to the ground because of uh, Derek Monaghan and the passing of him last weekend, Dan. Which, um, I don't know. It's hard to get your head around this. Uh, as I said on off the ball, I didn't know him apart from that smiling face at the bar. Likewise, likewise. and and at Lansdowne Road last year when he was looking after the tickets, and I turned mm. up late, I think, and he was having a pop at me and in a really friendly way and just reading it he's exactly what the League of Ireland kind of what we love about it just that volunteerism that um, smiling face did everything for Bose and got the amount of people I was even talking to Trevor Colley this morning about a little, a little piece in the match programme for on Friday about James Finnerty he did and uh, he was just on the way to the funeral and he said honestly this guy was the nicest guy like yeah no no and as I said my dealings are very brief like like yours all good 
I know we were, were in a WhatsApp group with a couple of sort of friends who wouldn't be necessarily regular match goers but would have gone to Daily Mount now and again and then they saw the news mm. and one of them was like oh god I remember I was late for a game in Daily Mount one time and he got us a wristband into the bar for drinks at half time and stuff and that's just like Typical. Uh, you think you can imagine like what's that whole thing like pe- people talk about the whole seven degrees separation all the contacts you would have with people and stuff mm. you can imagine his reach was incredibly far and even um, all League of Ireland clubs have a person like that as well even the ones that are getting big they all have that person who just is almost Mr. Club yeah. and has just been around for so long and you look at Dundalk lost Harry Taff as well you have these people that um, they're not forgotten though no, I know. And, and Cork City had a, a the, the tragic passing. I can't quite think of his name. Now. Jerry, was it? No, they, well, there was Pat Shine as well. It was mm. Forrest, but there was also another fan. Um, I'll, I'll look it up in a minute. Mm. But the 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 thing about it is, yeah, like a lot of these clubs, like because there's there's no real industry here per se in terms of say full-time staff members what you'll have is that you'll have say volunteers at each club who, who do basically do the role of six people mm. um and it's part of the imperfections of it but like it's almost like i'd imagine and i'm i'm speculating here but i'd imagine they're probably only realized they're only realized in the coming weeks and months the amount of things that he actually did you know that's totally, sort of the, totally, the, yeah. the footprint that he left in terms of just little jobs probably around match night or dealing with people or, or stuff that that sort of he would have done so i mean it seems sort of trite sometimes just to like uh, you know pass her sympathies on but it's all it's all we can do really you know it's um it's uh terribly sad and um yeah as i said the 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 uh the, the funeral and it seems like they've had events in the last couple of days as well um very much around the club which should be which would be pretty um substantial events so yeah, I mean, uh, like I was over in Hungary at the time when I sort of, you know, you get that news through and it's, um, I certainly people, again, people would have known him a lot better, like very shocked by the by the whole thing and, and it's a classic thing that puts everything in perspective, but, you know, the the show moves on. I mean, that's what, it's, it's Bowes Rovers next Friday and I'm sure that'll be sort of, um, I know they played the cup game this week, but I imagine even the atmosphere then will be sort of charged as well. The sort of first big home game since and stuff like that. And big people, time, yeah. People and people really feel it. Shell, shells, uh, shells were honouring um, a, a few debts actually, I think, on Friday in a banner as well, just um, reflecting on it's been a difficult time for uh, both Shells and Bows. And uh, that was, I suppose, the backdrop to the game. Prior to that, Dan, as you mentioned, uh, Rovers were in the heat um, in Ferns Faros. The, their Europa League dream is not surprising. Not is dead. Um, but um, what did you make of all of that, actually? It, it was hot. Yeah, it was hot. Before I met the, the Cork City fan, was John Kennedy. That was the name yeah. I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, I, like, I, I think with the, the Hungary thing, and I would have spoken to a few fans on the way home, and like it, it was a genuinely big game. And it's one of those things when you're in the stadium and like an hour beforehand, um, like the, the, the sort of the crowd are showing up, the locals are showing up, and there's a real sense of this is a really big European tie. And even Gary Neal was saying after he managed to enjoy it, even though they got sort of turned over. And I can understand that. Like, it just, we, we've been at a handful of these games over the years, like probably Legia and Warsaw and Dock and, and, and a couple of the this other ones. It's the anniversary of it yeah, today, actually. Where you're you're in this stadium overseas and you're like, yeah, this is what football is. You know, this is what fo- what you strive to, I'd imagine. Like, you know, for those players when they were younger, like 15, 16, you know, sorry, younger even, you know, marking themselves out as ones of potential and stuff. And we'd love to say that they, they, they see themselves one day in... 
I don't know, Daily Mount or Turner's Cross or even or even Talla, but they, they obviously dream of being in arenas like these, you know, like those stadiums where you play and Oh was the atmosphere like uh, I like it was it was pretty relentless, like mm. in the sense that there was just a relentless noise from the ultras behind the goal. I mean Farnsvars is a club would have a sort of a checkered enough history in terms of fan behaviour, but they um, they created a serious noise like they took it seriously you know it was a proper big game for them they missed out in the Champions League but they had to make the Europa League it's just one of those things you know it yourself when you're there it's a big club huge media presence you know loads of people sort of like being at an Ireland game here in some ways in terms of that sort of um, the fanfare around it so like this was a genuinely big event and in saying all of that <laughs> there was as always this niggly sense here that this is a really big game and stuff but this isn't everything to this away side. This wasn't everything to Rovers. And I think they're missing a few bodies. Um, you know, they had a big game on Sunday against Sundalk. They put everything they could into it. I'm not saying that they didn't, but I sometimes just think that you lo- if you lose that edge that this is do or die, that this is everything. One percent or it's, go- it's, it's, it's It's gone. And like Irish teams generally, when it's, like it's all on the line. This is it, and you lose, and you go out. Like they, they, they find that extra percent, and that could be like Ireland and the France and the Henri game, and and um, various games over the years where it's the sort of. It's very rare that there's a there's a five one Denmark thing or something. It's generally like quite close. I think we talk about all these near misses over the years, like draw to Kiev and um, Bowes and Salzburg, and even like do some of the Dundalk ones, Bate and, and Rosenberg, like all really, really close. Um, but with this one, there was a sense of, this is really big, yeah, it's a really big game, but it's just not everything. And yeah. you can feel that. And then when you're against a better team... They were also uh, managed by, um, just reading on their coach, who was the ex-Russian coach, like he's quite, rel- yourself, yeah. quite relentless. So they weren't really going to be like... Uh, League of Ireland teams are often lucky. Like uh, You'd argue like Sligo and Motherwell is an, is an easy example of teams that are just not added in Europe. These were added and uh, they were very good. I can't imagine what it was like for Rovers. I think uh, you might have had a piece with League Race where he was saying he was struggling to breathe the times with the heat. Um, and you, you factor all these things in. Sean Gannon's mistake for the third goal, that's an absolute killer early in the second half. And I think that, as you say, they they knew they knew the game was up at that stage, and they knew they're they're going to be in the group stage yeah. of the Europa League anyway. Yeah, to go, yeah and the conference league, yeah, conference yeah. league. And the, the one thing that was good was um, bringing on Tete and bringing on uh, Ferryjai and bringing on Feruja and bringing on Jack Byrne. Three or four of them actually played well, with a view to hopefully those players playing in the in the group stages. Thought Tete did very well for a seventeen year old. Yeah, he did well. Really and he, did. He's not even an out and out striker. Like mm. I mean, they missed Idemo, who was missing it again. And it comes back to the point we did speak about but after Ludogorets first game, and we'll hear from Rory Gaffney briefly. Like pace is everything. Like, when the, the higher up the levels you go, and ironically, Dundalk, like Dundalk, were outpaced know, by Shamrock Rovers, thirty-two we'll, year olds. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with that, and we'll come back. Do you to know that what I mean? No, we'll come back to that in a second. But in Europe, but, but this is the point. It's the levels, and Morgan directly probably addresses that. That it, it is the thing, like that. If you don't have that, you need to be like one hundred percent rock solid. And the way the Rovers naturally play, um, they probably like they try and. Uh, often try and like dominate games they didn't on Sunday against the dog we'll talk about that but they often like they, they give teams chances like they give mm. teams chances at home in the league here but often they have the recovery ability to sort of deal with it. and it was flipped with French virus there was times in the first half where Rovers put a couple of passes together and actually had some decent passages but they always knew out of possession 
So Gary O'Neill was saying after out of possession they were so comfortable that they could cover the ground easily and like Gaffney and Green were just swallowed up. You yeah. know? And then and the one time in the second half was Ferugia actually opened out mm. and got a shot. And he should have someone, played it to, was it uh, Teddy I think? I'm not sure but like, Fer- yeah. Ferugia like, has that little bit mm. with, not necessarily over 10 yards but over 20. He's sort of like he, he, he could actually maybe they just weren't 100% expecting it but otherwise they were just so comfortable and I mean, Jack Byrne come on a couple of times he popped it and he did things a bit quicker and you're like yeah like I think I think Rovers at full strength at, at 100% full strength they badly miss Pico as well I think yeah. you know well, it's I games like that where you're yeah, like organisation uh, and some of the goals you give away yeah, I, just I, think, I think I think Rovers at 100% full strength would equip themselves much better. I mm. think they'd find it very hard to beat them over two legs. Well, XG in, wasn't just wasn't. In, in XG was scenario. probably four or five nil. Yeah, like, Rovers you know, did barely. It was a fair chance. enough result. It was. It was. 100%. I don't think you can argue. But I think as well. I think if if their life and their season depended on it, if this was their European campaign, I think they would have done better because they just would have. Like they would have, you know, it would have. There would have been a little bit more. I just think you take that little bit of edge out of it. You sometimes lose a bit of something. So, um, they then, they then, on then go on to play on Dawkins Sunday, where I looked at the team at the start and I was like, well, only three changes. I, I maybe thought I'd on my play. And mm. um, they did say, for example, uh, Bradley said afterwards they held towel back with this game in mind. That's why he didn't start him on Thursday. He didn't so, hold back in his goal celebration. No, he didn't. No, he, he, uh, he was getting chance. From the start, I think there'd been a few chants previously about uh, a beloved pet that had passed away from the Dundalk fans, but I think it wound them up. Again, I, I don't have any issue with Richard Held in that. I well, mean, I, some I, Dundalk fans will, but if you're getting abuse, like, yeah. On one hand of it, it is it is like you know it is the club, the club, well it's the club that made him in some mm. respects from where he was going but was that the club or was that just Stephen yeah Kenny? i'm sure they weren't paying him um three grand a week no, either exactly. when he was on the scrap heap like no no exactly um, and, and the other thing is um <laughs> which do you prefer which do you prefer do you prefer the player sort of a disingenuous non-celebration yeah. or celebrating I, I don't I, I think you give it a, you give it out you, you sort of get it back and he got booked because he probably did a sort of a gestures and come down here which you know, it's probably bump, a little bit far. Bumped into Stephen Kenny at half time and he was talking to Paul McNally and Paul Byrne, right? And basically on about his old Longford days. And he shows this um media report. I could have been his first game in the League Cup against Dundalk for Longford. Jim McLaughlin was manager of Dundalk. That's how far back the Longford days were. It's like 25 years ago. Well, that's because Jim McLaughlin had a brief comeback to Dundalk. Yeah. Very Jim, short-lived. Jim, that, they got relegated. Yeah, because that was nine, 25 years ago. And uh, the Docker relegated in, I think it was 97, 98. Wasn't uh, it, you know? pa- I Paul went to every game that season. I was around that time, I was similarly um, mm. a complete degenerate. But Paul Byrne, Paul McNally's great character, by the way. Paul Byrne was talking about, because I was thinking of like, you know, sons who were brought up by footballers. Like, you look at Haaland. Now, I'm not saying Curtis Byrne is Haaland, he's a good footballer. And Kenny was saying how important Curtis Byrne was for him. But Paul Byrne was saying, I had him on the pitch at Parkhead as a three or four year old, and he'd be doing these volleys. And it was unbelievable, like, as a three or four year old. And I was like, if, if my father had brought me up, Dan, as, you know, as a professional footballer, maybe I could have played. At a higher level. No, you won't. I can't even get you out to play Astro now. No. You're just like mentally shot because of your injuries. Yeah. Um, and the, the title race is shot who, as well. Someone who wasn't mentally shot was Rory Gaffney, um, who 
Tune Celtic b- b- had players. Tune Celtic had some of their players at the game in Tala because of Rory Gaffney. I'm like, Tune is in Northeast Galway. This is this is mad. Now I think they have been to Terryland as well. I Rovers was, fans remind I, me, Gaffney's going nowhere. I did. And I was like, well, to be fair, it was Emma Wheatley who we may or may not have said was a Shells fan before. Emma was saying Gaffney is going nowhere. I was like, sorry, Galway United are going nowhere this season. We're saying the first division. I don't think Gaffney's going to be. Well, we, I mean, I should be doing shout outs here because this is your thing to do. But I did meet uh, Justin the other night. Just anniversary of his uh, stag. <laughs> Here we go. His mm. stag in Galway, but his only comment was, "It's unbelievable how many times Johnny shoehorns Galway into discussion in that show." Screw I mean, you, Joe. And there we, we go. You into the bar. And there bar is go. back, Joe. And there we go. There mm. we go. Rory Gaffney. Cross, tra- cross yeah, dressers, like welcome ta- in I'm talking about Rory. I'm talking about Rory Gaffney. And uh, you, Rory you Gaffney, you, you instantly take it back to a, a goal related. He's point. a cult hero but, for Rovers, but he was—he he's probably a contender for Player of the Season, one hundred percent. You know and. Yes, we'll hear from him in a second reflecting on how... In fact, let's just go to this now. It's sort of Rory Gafferty reflecting on, in a way, like almost how inadequate he felt in the game against Ferenc <laughs> yeah. Farris on, on Thursday and his sort of thesis on Irish clubs competing at that level. How was the recovery from Thursday? Because I know there was changes made in the second half over there Yeah, that were probably needed in some ways. Like, How did yeah. you feel physically after it? Because it was pretty warm over there. Like, Yeah, I didn't feel too bad. Um but I suppose I wasn't under pressure like the lads at the back were. You know, the, po- the power and pace that the Hungarians lads had is just a different level. So even saying it, saying it to the lads, like, I think our, our defenders could play for them, but I don't think our forwards could play for them. I think that's the difference in, in Europe, just the power and pace. And obviously they're brilliant with the ball then the, at the front end of the pitch. I think someone was saying that one of their wingers was bought for a four millioner and that Celtic are trying to buy one of their strikers. Yeah. So it's a different level. That seems to be what a lot of people say, the higher the levels you go up, it's, it's the followers that make the difference, and you can see it. And how, how do you, you know, 4-0 deficits, they're unheard of, those sort of retrieving those sort of, those sort of, those sort yeah. of uh, first leg reverses. How do you think the gaffer's going to retrieve Thursday's game, because you've got you've got bigger matches going up, cups like matching Sunday and things like that? Yeah, I suppose you don't want to throw the towel in, but, uh, but Sunday is definitely, definitely more important. Mm. You know, you don't want to go out and even win 2-0 they then get knocked out of the cup on Sunday mm. you know 4-0 I don't think we've scored 4 at all this season have we maybe once mm. so probably unlikely to score 4 on Thursday so we just have to take whatever comes our way obviously try and put in a good performance mm. and then get ready for Drada who've been probably our bogey team this season and see how, what, what comes up in the draw on Friday as well the, the group phase yeah group obviously it'll be exciting Friday morning mm. I think you might be third seed with someone is that tonight okay well, you're hoping for obviously hoping for probably a glamour tie at West Ham or whoever else are the big names and then those winnable games for the other ones mm. it's a part of experience like there's, there's obviously pride as well that comes into it like but yeah. you sort of you know, you also know as a group what's actually important if you know what I mean the Thursday yeah. is still a great occasion potentially but a bit of experience to know what where your priorities are in some ways yeah I suppose I was kind of saying to someone that maybe for the younger lads in the group you can kind of see how good the next level is yeah. you know what probably if you were to look at the players in your position what do I need to do to get to that level if you're one of the older lads like me just enjoy it mm. you know it's, it's nice to say you know, it's nice to have a taste of it but I'm saying like the forward players were just they were just different level Thursday weren't they mm. especially yeah. the number 8 like see the time when they cross the ball and three of them let it run through their legs and they were just so sharp yeah. just, I think you just have to hold your hands up and go just better than us. Gary said on Thursday that he he wasn't even necessarily breaking sweat the number eight that he was ah, doing just things looked like he glided, looked like he was yeah. just gliding across the pitch. I hadn't seen a performance like that in since an came Crow Park.
And we talk about uh, levels as well, Dan. So, like, this top-of-the-table clash, seemingly, like, Rory Gaffney, 100% out sprints at Dundalk centre-back, who admittedly Dundalk are stretched by injuries. But Court sort of then tries to trip him, gets, goes off injured. I was like, this, uh, like, Dundalk played at an aggressively high line, and it was a strange game in that I was, I was like, Dundalk are well in this. And then it was 3-0. And it felt like a damn squib for me because it was like, is this the end of the title race just like that? Yeah, it was Do you know Sunday, what I mean? Sunday evening game. Yeah. I, mean, I think we should go back to the previous one, the Gaffney though. Like, it's it sort of... I, I, I sometimes do wonder about that. Like, you know, the, the that def- defensively... You know, some clubs can do very well in Europe, but is it just the attacking third quality? That it was a very interesting down? point he made. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah. You know that, that I think, um, and like he said it himself. Like you know, it's actually a striker himself who's saying this. Yeah. So it's it's sort of like if if it came from a defender, he'd be like, "Well, it's a bit of an edgy one," but he's he's basically admitting himself. But it was weird. Like there was times, you know, on Thursday where he looked like he was sort of in slow motion a small bit, you know? And, like, the heat, I think the heat, like, wouldn't underestimate that either. Um, but then... Redhead you, in 35 But then degrees. you look at him on Sunday. Now, like, the Dundalk don't have defensive pace. That's a big problem that they have. It's something they're going to have to address. Like, they want to play with a high line, but they don't have sort of great recovery speed there. But then the only thing about that is if you want someone who's good enough to play a, a really s- strong possession game defensively and also be quick, the chances are they won't be in this league. You know, like, as in that's the full package, you know, that that you actually yeah. need. Well, like, you need a very good young promising player. Well, but like, like, you the, have high line, like, the high line backfire you'll have, spectacular. You'll have like, uh, I mean, you'd have someone like, see, you mentioned Pico Lopez, who's incredibly mm. quick. Now, he wouldn't be regarded as, say, the most technical footballer relative to others, but Rovers have other players around them that they can sort of, mm. they, they have a little bit of a, the, the, the combination there. And what the dog needs to do is probably find their Pico. You know, they need to find that that sort of type of player who can be that for them. Um, because, you know, Stephen Dahl's point was, he said to the players, you weren't out football, like, you're not miles off. Um, it's putting a slant on it though because like Rovers were in second gear and they won 3-0 and they were playing a, a, a playing a, a, an obviously um, choreographed way against the way Dundalk were playing Dundalk were good they, they were at home and I think they had something like 30 something percent possession it was really which was, weird which is very similar to the Shoopy game away where I think again the possession levels were similar and so Dundalk chances they, Dan, they played a tactic and they no but see Dundalk are also missing Hooban as well so this 100% is the, this, this is the problem they played almost without a striker yeah. um, so they played sort of three in, in advanced position um, and Martin kind of as the I don't know kind of the false nine or whatever it was it was interesting to watch because Dundalk for the first 20 for the first 12 minutes anyway were good they didn't really create much though and you well, know, that was the recurring team in the game although Manus mm, then made a string of saves mm, later on when it was kind of I'd yeah. still look at that go though and say do you think Dundalk will be closer to Rovers next year or further away see I don't know because I'm looking at Rovers I think they'll be closer yeah I, I do as well I, I would have probably thought the same about Derry but like I did you know I, I, I go from supporting Shamrock Rovers supporting Pats in Europe and then like looking at Rovers the way they just more or less steamrolled Dundalk uh, their main challengers and just thinking as as other clubs just so ste- far they didn't steamroll ah, them Johnny 3-0 though they didn't Could steamroll them. Four, like. they didn't steamroll they, what they did was they schooled them in a sort of a yeah like they, they, they didn't steamroll ste- a steamrolling I mean like Let's let's consider what a steamroller looks like. Okay, they won three 0 We're not going to end up what a steamroller steam looks like. But, but, but how do you like what? What they, is they the beat end them three 0 so, so if you say something, An- has analogies been, are done. Okay, but if you say something has been steamrolled, what what state is it in at the end? It's like flattened, just on the ground, like yeah, they were like, like one of those comedy sort of naked gun things or yeah. something, where like <laughs> something just gets like whoever it is, someone stands in front of it and they end up like a sort of a. 
I don't know, a plasticine man or something, right? Like, they weren't steamrolled. They were just completely sucker punched, like, on a number of occasions. It was like a boxer who just kept I making... I brought up Naked Gun on, on, yeah. on the radio but, last but it was like a boxer. It was more like a boxer who just kept making the same mistake. They were mm. like, well, at this time I'm going to go Anthony forward. Joshua. I'm not going to get punched. And it's like, no, you keep getting punched. No, no, I'm going to go again with this particular tactic and then just keep getting punched again. But... Like the game is between. Then Dundalk ended up with Robbie Benson at left back. I mean, there were really stretched. No, I know, but I'm just, I'm, um, I'm just, I'm taking a very pedantic uh, exception to the term steamroll. I don't think they were steamroll. I think they'll be closer next year. I mean, I do. As how well. many times across the six years of this pod we probably said it about Rovers at the start? Like it's impossible to go from nothing to winning a league in one year. You just can't. One hundred percent. Like, and I think that that. But where will Rovers be next year? Well, well, where will Rovers be next? Because year? they've they're bringing in a good bit of money now. They probably have the choice of players in Ireland. What Rovers have to deal with next year is if you think about it, like, think of the previous teams that made group stages football and played mm. this mad schedule all the way to the end of the year, right? 2011 team, mm. 2011 Rovers, okay, lost their manager. Dreadful 2012. 2016, the Dock, the best year in Irish football history, you could argue. 2017, dreadful. Until the summer, they were picked. Right, uh, 2020 Dundalk not be the Don't same. Don't really see it though. It was insane. Rovers have a big squad. No, they do. But I'm just. <clears throat> we've spoken about it before the danger of looking too far down the line. Like if they True. do, if they do well in in Europe, their manager could be taken. True. So True. there's a lot. I whereas I don't think Steve O'Donnell's going to go anywhere this winter. I think he's done with winter transfers for like a while. Um, so I think they'll naturally be better next year, and I think it's still possible. That, you know, I think Derry would probably be better next year. So, but in fairness to Derry, like their position is a little bit false. By all accounts, they're creating loads of chances. They should have been drawn. They didn't. It's um, becoming a little bit too much of a recurring tale, though, yeah. isn't it? Well, McGonagall as can like, you be that unlucky all of the time? Well, yeah, but. I mean, Stephen O'Donnell once said the hardest thing in football is scoring, putting the ball in the back of the net, and it's been a problem. It was certainly a problem the other night from Dock. McGonagall's form has just dropped, um, so may- maybe things have changed a bit in Derry. They brought in new players. There's now a sort of a battle, Dan, for second, third, and fourth. All, all well, Pats have had a good pa- Pats run. are in, in good yeah. form, good win over UCD, um, and their players should be getting better because they've effectively an entirely new team, new goalkeeper as well. Um, and now I'm wondering, I'm just like the. It just felt a bit flat for me on, on Sunday. Serge scores a lot of the same goals, doesn't he? He does. He's pacing. I like, I mean, it's all about, I mean, as I said, pace will bring you a long way in this league. Mm. But um, yeah, a bit flat. I mean, I think if Dundalk had won on Sunday, the game title was right back on. I think with a draw, it wasn't dead. Because like this Rover schedule, like, they're not playing another Friday night league game until this year. Yeah. Yeah, I was mad actually. So it's Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, and I, I just like, wasn't mad on the Sunday we, evening we've experience. Spo- we've spoken before about a slightly older squad that they have. Like this will take a fair bit out of them, no matter mm. what squad depth that they have. It'll be demanding. Like, mm. No doubt it'll be demanding. And, and Gaffney even mentioned there, I mean, Drada this week is the bigger game than Farns Farris because they want to get back to the Aviva. That's a big point they made. They've missed out on that experience um, last year. So yeah. they want to be a part of that too. But like that... that, that Time be, to go to the mailbag. Training. Let's go well, to one the of mailbag. the questions in the mailbag. Uh, Before we go to the mailbag, the quiz. Let's do the quiz now. Let's last do week's, the quiz. Last week's answer was Everton. Connor Regan is the winner, Dan. So Connor Regan answered correctly. Um, it was Everton. I, Everton. I think, not a, I think what year did you say that was? 84, 85, because Everton won the Cup Winners' Cup. Didn't they lose 1 0? Was it 1 0? Because Jared Clancy actually wasn't touched with us, but his, sorry, Jerry didn't win. But um, 
Uh, oh, he actually mentions great interview with Liam Kerrigan, who took ten minutes to get his debut goal tonight. It was. Just, I, I texted him. It was a we'll talk to Lorcan Fitzgerald briefly, but like the last person we interviewed in the show scored a goal in Serie B the following weekend, so <laughs> it's sort of raising the bar for what you can do, like after being on. You Lorcan know? is in the studio. We'll, we'll bring him on shortly. That goal he got against uh, Go United in Terryland is one of the best goals I've ever seen. See, there you go. As yeah. Justin said, completely pointless goal by United tangent. It's not. There. No, one of the best goals I've it's ever just, seen live. Yeah. Just left foot of volley just, it's Galway and anyway, uh, it was 1-0 in aggregate nil all in Belfield unbelievable um, and it was uh, yeah it was everything that went on to win the competition Martin so, Morn uh, who went on to manage UCD I uh, saw did, did I see a stat that uh, Martin Morn is the only League of Ireland manager to have managed in Europe that's never that is unbeaten in the context of like a 90 minute game because okay was Tim yeah. Clancy was in that boat until they lost the the Seska game but yeah. because when they were in that tie where which obviously you remember very well Robbie Martin and John <laughs> Martin and all the Martins were involved or not Martin, um, Martin. They, they they didn't lose in 90 minutes they went mm. you know, was the it nil all three all or something, something like that, that yeah. so let's go to the uh, congratulations by the way and that is a nice four porterhouse brews on the way and uh, who we'll, knows we'll, we'll fly through the mailbag we it, is, it is it is time for the mailbag now hey what's the time it's mailbag time a big bag of electronic letters. What do we got, Dan? Yeah. Jack, season over for Bose at this stage. No hope for Europe and not expecting to get the cup. There's a lot of Bose disappointment this That's week. That's the case. Let's deal with Bose. KL must be under pressure, but with financial backing board, have given him what he survived to next year. Um, and yeah, there's a few comments of that nature as well. I, I do think the fact that he has been given the scope to bring in all those new players, like they've signed... What did one of the games recently? I think Duff said last week, like nine new signings, unbelievable in the window, sort of a good veil. or a bad thing. I think he was yeah. more saying they they could look at them bringing in mm. nine players. Now he didn't use all his budget at the start of the season, so that's why there's a little bit of room left to to bring some in. But I think that probably does give him security. I I still think he'll get a full crack at next season when they're changing training model and stuff like that. I think well, they're likely into the last be, if that doesn't well. if that doesn't go well for them, then mm. then I think there'll be pressure probably coming on. But I don't I don't envisage it before then. I could be completely wrong. Um, but nah, I think they'll be fine. Um, yeah. Beyond that, a uh, few references to uh, the the Dundalk Rovers game, which we've sort of discussed already. Um, there was a question the in Joseph Lennon about some shift in tactics with Rovers against the Dundalk. And that's the thing, like it's the maturity, or not the maturity, it's the sort of, the ability to accept we, we don't have to dominate possession at home in every game. It's the, it's the sort of recognising, well, this is our strength in this game. Let's just use that against them rather than possession for sort of possession's sake, if and you know what I mean. The, you know, I'm, I'm on about, like, one of our young managers, it was interesting. Stephen O'Donnell went with the high line and Stephen Bradley went with this idea, yeah, we're going to sit back and we're going to out, outdo them. And I think Man United had about 30% of the ball against Liverpool last night, but they deserved to win the game. Yeah, no, they did. Um, and Paddy Daly was on about that tactics as well, too. Um, there was also CMM was saying, is Alan Manis improving at 40? I mean, his mm-hmm. performance level this season relative to last season is... Yeah, I think he was... Again, I thought he was quite poor for the fourth goal in Ferris Farris. We're splitting hairs here. He's been brilliant. And I'd say what he does as well in terms of just the faith that he gives defenders and that kind of um, single-mindedness. Um, yeah, I, I just chat a lot of chat about him maybe staying on for another year. Could see it. Yeah, I think I think Bradley's trying to do that. PJ O'Matney, it's time to take Johnny to task for all his lame attempts at bigging up Cork, Galway over Cork. The only team wobbling is the tribesmen choking. 
might be more appropriate. Oh, that's true. Like, to suggest, to suggest any Galway player deserves player of the year over Aaron Bulger is plain ridiculous. Um, yeah, but again, like I haven't, how much have I seen of Cork City? Like, so I'm, I'm not going to lie. You don't. But like, you're literally on here giving your opinions. Are you mm. suggesting that they don't, they don't have any basis in research or? We're screwed though. He is right. Going United losing at home to Bray. Yet another ex Galway United player in Colin Kelly scoring. Um, that was a terrible result. Bastianeri and Rob Manley, two players that were signed recently, were hooked off. Both of them hooked off at half time in two games in a row. That's never a good. Sign. That's not good. Bastianeri, um, by all accounts, played well against Wexford. We'll actually get Larkins view on that shortly. Taken off at half time the last two games as well as Manley, um, and then obviously, but UCD at, at home in the cup uh, is going to be huge on Friday because we're very unlikely to get uh, promoted now. Yeah. It doesn't sound great. Ryan O'Hara, fair play to Westport getting, um, he says 2.8 million funding for grounds. I'm not sure. I haven't Something read Something like that, story. that, yeah. It yeah. is, yeah. If only the LOI teams and a Michael Ring pulling from them, indeed. Um, Maybe bring them into the League of Ireland. Um, uh, Jessica Fletcher fan account, uh, a regular correspondence. Given good attendances, do you think there's an app- any appetite to have the Cup semis in the Aviva? This was an interesting one. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it it'll work with the, the, the dates. Mm. But, I mean, I think... I mean, it's particularly like if Rovers end up in it and all this like I think the organisation involved but mm. I can see where they're coming from but in a way remember like in Wembley back in the day and stuff like they moved to semi-finals to Wembley and they've 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 reintroduced that at various times does that sort of take away from the, the whole idea game? is getting to the final yeah, and getting, getting to the Viva Stadium so yeah. probably not I mean I, I still think you, at various times it was more of a COVID thing the idea of having mm. around the league fixtures in the Aviva or doing something like that. I, I think you should be open-minded to things like that, but I'm not sure if the Cup Semis is going to be uh, the, the thing that's going to be the case with that. With that, um, A couple of comments pointing out that Roy Gaffney has been the best player in the league this season. It's amazing he hasn't won player of the month, which is a fair He's point. Mad. Rovers haven't had a player of the month uh, winner this season, and they are... Was that um, not the same last year where Bowes had like four or five in a row or yeah, something? Yeah, and like Aiden Keane, it's like this, like this year it's like Aiden Keane has two player of the month and Shamrock Rovers have zero, if you want to put it that way. But that is, it's a slight That's anomaly. A it's bad. one of these things that when people take you for granted as a team, they don't necessarily pick out the individuals. So I think that's probably... Um, probably what happens there. Um, a couple of references about Shells and the, the Pats thing, which I think the disciplinary control unit are not considering it until I think this week coming. Um, so that's why there's nothing that's happened there. Jason Shanahan was looking for meaningful, meaningful first division conversation. To which Julian replied, Julian Canny replied, "There is no meaning to the first division." <laughs> I mean, uh, what would go United? Jesus Christ, Dan! I was thinking of this like it, it's hard to believe, but in 26 years, or 27 years of sporting a team from a big city in the League of Ireland, they have won nothing. Literally nothing. There you go, Never been in Europe. Um, didn't get to a cup final. I mean, the odds of this are just... And it's 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 the same story again now. It's the same story again, the way things are going. So there you go, Justin. Um, Justin was completely right to point it out. That's the, that's the fourth unrelated Galway United reference. Well, unlike you, unlike you, who like sort of abandoned your Dundalk, you know, allegiances, I'm still a dying the wool Galway United fan. But like, you don't have to bring it up every second sentence. I know? do when we're no good. Okay. Maybe if we were good, I'd actually you, be chilled every, and happy be every like, sentence if they were yeah. good. Altai, what are people's thoughts on some of our league's former young stars' moves now that we're a few weeks in? The likes of Johnny Kenny now playing second tier Scottish football. He's gone on loan to Queen's Park. Uh, Devoy um, was on the bench benches. on Saturday. Surely playing out of weekend we get is a better option. I mean, there's differences between all the cases. Um, like McGinty's gone in as number two. I, I'd be surprised. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think in time he might end up playing there. Their, their goalkeeper's quite well regarded, I think. Mm. Um, 
promise has gone in and sort of played with Fleetwood, whose owner is now Waterford's owner as well. Colourful Andy character. Kelly. Yeah. Um, yeah, Devoy was meant to go on loan, but has ended up actually been doing well enough that they've kept him around the, the squad and he's been coming off the bench. Dara Burns sort of impacts up. I don't know, like... You've got to uh, make your step in the ladder and see how it goes. Yeah, like, I, I, think so. I think the players have made the right choice here as a player. You go to the third tier of by far the biggest uh, football country in the world with massive crowds, big resources. See how you get on the ladder. I'd be fairly sure you can go back to the League of Ireland if it doesn't work yeah, out. Yeah, no, I, th- I'm not, I think in the past you've seen someone like Shawnee Maguire go straight in mid-season. Mm. And you do think they have a little bit of a fitness advantage you mm. know, coming into their pre-season. But some of the moves went through a little bit later in the pre-season mm. too. And so, like some of them, like McGinty mm. was an almost last-minute job, for example. Um, and Danny Mandrew's injured. I think Andrew's one who probably will be playing if he'd been fit, but he's not. So we did mean to lean Carrigan as well. <laughs> well, I mean, Carrigan has gone. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he's got a goal on Sunday. Yeah. One of the one of the worst goals you'll see, but a goal is a goal. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously, Boyd by uh, his appearance last. I week. mean, I, I literally said that a few minutes ago. Kind of. Yeah. You, when yeah. you implied that Larkin's going to score uh, against in Serie B uh, this weekend, against yeah. Dundalk. Let, let's just bring Larkin in now. I think Larkin, how are you? Good, thanks, lads. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Met your manager at the game Sunday. I was like, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, we're playing Dundalk in the Cup at the weekend. <laughs> I think that'd be grand. Easy uh, one for us, you know. Yeah. Um, what's the story? How are you getting on at Wexford and life in general? Yeah, good. Uh, busy. Very busy. Uh, obviously, playing and coaching at the same time. So, mm. yeah, two roles. But, no, listen, really enjoying it. Really enjoying the experience. And, you know, the, the steps into the next... Part of my career. The next life. Yeah. Yeah, and where where do you see your next life going? It's the it's the it's the it's the broadest, most overarching question you can ask someone, but I mean you're you're just here. So second question, let's go there. Where is your life going? Um <laughs> well hopefully, hopefully it's going down a, a, a path in coaching. Um it's something that, you know, throughout my career, my playing career, I've always thought I'm I'm looking to get into it. I probably should have. Looking back at it now, hindsight it's a good thing, but I should have Tried to get in a little bit earlier, um, being with an under fifteens group, an underage group, whatever it may be. Um, but no, listen, that's where I see myself, uh, and enjoying every step that so far. Mm. You were, you were. Did you take the Wexford under nineteens lately or something like that? I took the <laughs> under nineteens, uh, not the men's. So uh, I think there was a suspension in that, and they were playing shell. So yeah. Yeah. What happened there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, know I heard there's a bit of banter, is there? There's a few things happening on the sideline. Let's just leave it at that. But no, uh, that was my first proper chance at you know taking the full reins, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I've we ended up drawing the game one all. Where was the we, game on? It was up in the AUL. So I um you know I'll take that as a hundred percent no loss record. So. I, I was told to ask you about this, so the implication seems to be that you're you get a little bit animated on the sideline, maybe. Yeah, well, over the last few weeks and uh, the last few months, there's been WhatsApp groups giving change to Larkin Simeone because of, uh, yeah, my antics on the sideline, you know. So, read into that what you want, but it's just, you know, for myself personally, and this is as honest as I can be, I just, it's, it's maybe something to learn in core for myself, but I get so engrossed in the game and, you know, you feel like when you're a player, you can actually physically do something while you're on the on, on the pitch but when you're on a coach you can't so you, you just get so engrossed in the game and as you say I'm probably trying to head every ball when I'm still in the, sitting in the who's the, who's the shell's 19th manager 
You'd have to look it up. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> but I, I, that's something interesting you mentioned there because uh, I feel like you've just dropped this story in here, Johnny. Like I someone, someone told, so, told so, not so, to ask so, it, but then so I, someone has planted this information. Oh, you. absolutely! Someone who may or may not know Laura. But very the, well. the, the listeners don't really know what happened. So you, like, I mean, neither. What, do, well, I'm trying to tease it out. Him. I actually don't know what happened. I'm trying to tease it out from. But uh, he was animated on his brief uh, stint uh, as under 19 manager for Wexford. Is it a good thing to be animated on the sideline? Like I would say, Tim Clancy, Stephen O'Donnell, or should you be more chilled out on the sideline? Do you think it's it's each to their own, really? I like personally myself. I like being animated because, as I say, I want to kick the ball with the boys, so mm. I, I want to show them that I, I want to try get my enthusiasm onto the pitch as much as I can as well. Um, you see other type of managers that chilled out. They'll sit in the dugout and um, mm. they'll take their notes and they'll, you know. Get the views across a half time, full time. For me, it's it's a heat of moment thing, and you just want to get in, gross into the game. And once you're in that mindset, it's hard for me. What have you met of Damien Duff then? Listen, he's probably a prime example. I watched the the Bow Shells game the other night, and um, you can see him marching up and down the sideline. I think he's done a marathon by the end of the game, really, mm. hasn't he? At this stage, but you you see you see his style of management, and he, he obviously has a. a a do or die attitude. Every like that's the way I look at shells now. He, he sort of tried, got the culture at the club to to be us against them mentality. You know, it, it's similar probably to to the Mourinho style aspect of mm. you know. I know he was under them. I don't know if that's the reason why or whatever. But listen, we played them in pre season as well, and and still the same thing. He still wants to drive the standards. Still wants to try, you know, replicate that um, mentality and engross that into the players and. Listen, they've done reasonably well this year, so if that's the way he sees fit, then... Do you see fair. Do you see Mourinho and Duff in some of his antics? Oh, I, I don't know, Johnny. Like, I mean, mm. it's, <laughs> that's a, that's, it's, it's hard to draw that comparison directly, but I'd imagine like Duff has, has worked with all sorts of different characters and management and... And I'll, I mean, we were we were speaking to Stephen Elliott the other day. I think his ex teammates are surprised to see Duff like this because he was, as a player, he was known as someone who used to like love sleeping, and he was very mm. much like more laid back and casual. And but I think I, I think it's authentic what you're seeing now in a sense. I think that this is his personality now. Yeah, I think absolutely. he's I think he lives this twenty four seven, and he's probably still wound up by people who all those people who still think he was going to quit after. Like uh, he'll be gone. I mean, mm. I think he's already past the point maybe of like people who thought he was going to pack it in after like three months or four months. It's I mean the Pat Shell's fixture thing probably to test him in a way of like mm. you know some of the madness you deal with in the in the league here, but he'll be Such around for life. long. Haul. Just taking Larkin your own League of Ireland life. So Sporting Fingal was your first step here, right? Because you were at West Ham as a kid, and then Sporting Fingal is what brought you into the league, which is uh, quite a way to. To drop into the League of Ireland world, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, how it came about actually was I spoke to Liam Buckley, who was the manager. I was actually still in England at the time, um, and I came home and met him. And yeah, he had the laptop out. He showed me the plans for the stadium, showed me the plans for the training ground. Um, and yeah, I, I was really the way I thought about it was, was we were full time. We were a good team. I, I'd done my research on the team, you know, and. I obviously have friends and, and colleagues that played in the league, so they were able to tell me a bit more at the time. Uh, and yeah, I decided to go for it. Um, obviously, 18 months down the line, I could probably say it was the wrong decision in, to a certain degree. But listen, I have, you know, a, a playoff promotion with, with Suckbottom, Fingal, and an FAI Cup winners medal. So, mm. you know, if you look at it that way, it's it, it gave me a good insight and a good start into the League of Ireland. And, you know, I'm thankful to Liam for giving me the opportunity to, to come in. But... 
it's very sad to see the way the club went in the end because I think in in the short stint that I was there, as I said, we won the FAO Cup. I think the year after we should have won the league, the Premier Division. Um, it's kind of mad when you think. Were you, were you, you, so were you there when they played in Europe? Were you part yeah. of Maritimo, was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a which is notable because that was Ronan Finn's first European appearance. And oh, fifty-two. If he plays it? this week, he equals Gary Rogers, Gary Rogers all-time mm. record. So yeah. that's that game lives on through him and probably Sean Williams as well. Was Sean he, Williams? Yeah, we had such a team. Like yeah. we went over there just to, to drop it in there. I'll say I got my name on the score sheet. That night over the Maritime no harm right, right, right foot was it no, listen I love to keep it from 25 yards it's on YouTube there if you want it happy day did um, you yeah, yeah I so don't I remember th- that at all yeah. this year so yeah. I wasn't on TV only got time. good goals yeah. Yeah. it was yeah it was Crowy uh, scored scored uh, a header from a Ronan Finn Con- Ro- Ronan Finn Williams Glenn Crow yourself who was your keeper Brendan Clark was the keeper was players uh, like Gerald Bryan played right back Conan Bourne played right wing Shawnee Mar or sorry Colin Hawkins it was to start with Kenny Brown we had a serious team Shane McFall um, a serious serious team and Gary O'Neill was obviously I think played as well um, Eamon Zaid so we had some serious old. players like you know the um, other Gary O'Neill isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah the, that's the mad player, yeah. Yeah, yeah so and as Ian Buckley said, was a good judge of a player and that's it like he always you know with Liam was brilliant in, in the sense of just always encouraged to play the right way. I always wanted to, to play the right way. And obviously you see that throughout his managerial career, his teams always played attractive, nice football. Mm. Um, and I think considering the way Sporting Fingal went, I think we, we like to play that that type of brand of football. And yeah, with a little bit more rootless, it's probably, um, we would uh, essentially, I, I can't really remember now that I think about it, but I think we, were, we drew three of the last five or six games in the Premier League and, um, in the Premier Division at the time and, and I think we should have theoretically went on to win it that is mad Rovers came and pipped us and I think they beat us towards the end of the season as well yeah it's mad yeah and so you you then like you've had an association with Shells mm-hmm. a couple of stints three stints was it Shells or two but then two stints two stints sorry yeah. and then Bowes like what is your I don't know if, if I could say what was your happiest season as a footballer what one would come to your head Um. You know, there's, there's wasn't the last one at Shells anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> no comment. Um, yeah, so the, listen, there's been good seasons. I've had a good couple of seasons. Um, you know, the ones that stand out was obviously the the, the time we got up with Shells. Um, yeah. Brilliant, you know, to get up in the way we done it as well. Uh, the pressure was on us, but listen, a really good group that year and. You know the club, the, where they were at. It was massive for the club at the mm. time, and it was brilliant relief for probably people around the club. Really enjoyed my time at Bowes as well. Um, I think my first year, uh, it was actually Keith Long's first year as well. Um, we went, I think, nine unbeaten. We were top of the table in the first round of games uh, with a team that everybody probably was pipping to be down around the bottom relegation. Even, and um, we went on a really good year. I think we we just got pipped out of the the fifth maybe or it was a fifth or sixth. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed that season as well. Again, great group of players, great you know staff we were working with as well. And you know, obviously with Pats, um, game time was probably limited. Uh, but at the end of that, we had an FAI Cup winners medal, league mm. winners medal, things like that. So throughout my career, I've had good stints and obviously some bad times as well. But uh, each club does always different aspects that I really, really enjoyed, you know, and obviously 
one of the main things I always wanted to do was play and, you know, enjoy my football to a certain degree. But, you know, at the end of the day, I can say that, you know, I've got league winning medals and things like that as well. And, the just, just looking, sorry, yeah. the, the 2010 Premier Division final table, because I was trying to re- refresh my memory that, yeah, Sporting Fingal finished fourth, but five points behind Shamrock Rovers and Bowes. That was the year Rovers won it on goal difference yeah. mm. against Bowes. And Sligo uh, finished third on 63 points. So it's mad we think about title races now and they don't really happen. Like it's a while since we've had sort of a, a proper one and you've got the top four separated by five points. I think we drew our last four games or something like that over uh, the last round of series that just completely killed the title mm. race to, to right. us where we should have yeah. went on a win you know late goals and things you're, like you're, you're, are you pals with sort of Keith Ward and that that sort of From and, and Sins, Stevens yeah. is that are you sort of part of that sort From of pack Sins, yeah. what, what's the connection where did you meet those lads is that from home or is that sort of football or what's the no so uh, Keith would have uh, would have lived around the corner from me ma's growing up so okay. we been close obviously Ende and Keith what were quite tight at UCD and we've just sort of you know compatulated over the, over the years we'd go out for a few drinks now and then um, like obviously Enders went on to play in the league as well and then go across the water so listen he's doing really well and he's had a good career so far but um, yeah no it, it's just one of these things you know football builds relationships uh, myself and Keith obviously know each other since we were kids then you know People have come into the sort of circle as well. Yeah. By the way, you know, there's other lads in the group. Like you know, uh, throughout my career, I've stayed close with uh, numerous players. You know, um, but listen, it's it's one of these things that for me since I grew up around the corner from when I've had to deal with him. So what's the, what's the personality type in this sort of uh, that friendship there? Because people know what he's like. So do you have to sort of. Are you the, the 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 straight influenced or 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 Absolutely. what are, are you or you just have a wider side that you're not seeing in the interview here? No, no. Uh, as I say to his mother, he'd probably be in a gutter if it wasn't for me. <laughs> listen, but looking I've, at the I've, stars, yeah, yeah <laughs> I've I've dragged him up throughout the years, and I'm sure if he if he was not on a podcast, he'd probably say that. Um, but yeah, now like he still doesn't look like a footballer. He looks like he do, he just doesn't look, not look like a freshman footballer. A little pudgy kind of belly on him there. Yeah, it's uh, well. Oh, actually, def- oh. we'll defend them for that. Johnny, Johnny, he, Johnny, he Johnny. The, we always say it's the way he walks. Yeah, because he, he puts his, it pushes he pushes it out pushes or his out. Yeah, no, <laughs> listen, he's not the he's not the most athletic person. But listen, I remember growing up, and I always said it to him. I said, like, you've got some amount of ability, mm. and you know, I always say about the five sides. Like, even growing up, you'd go up to the Astro Parks and you'd play in them, and he'd be making a show, of lads, and I'd be mm. like, you're gonna get hurt because you're nearly too good, and you're trying too many tricks and things like that. Because if it was me, I would have just built him. Do you know what I mean? Trying to do all these tricks in the Astro Do you parks. remember against Fervar for Bowes, like, he was totally at home in that, that stage. You would see yeah. it, like, when he was scoring in that game as well, like, um, and Steve O'Donnell brought him for two reasons, I think. One, around the dressing room, but the other, his ability, like. Yeah, no, and that, and that's it. Like, obviously, he knows Stevie as well. Um, I think he played with him at Dundalk previously, mm. so Stevie knows his character. And I, I did say that, I probably try to... Uh, Say I had an influence on, on him coming into Bowes at the time as well, um, because I think he left Derry or Sligo. I'm, I'm not. I think it's one of them. He was at Derry, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I think. think he left Derry, and we were saying myself and Derek, uh, Derek Panda was the captain. Mm. We were saying to Keith, get him in, like because he's he's no club and he's brilliant for the dressing room, and, and not just that, he's he's a good player. We, we as actually well. you mentioned uh, Derek Pender. He he sent in a, a message oh, uh, to ask you a couple of questions. Oh, actually, lovely! As well, uh, I Twitter. love when this happens. Um, so I'll we, comment to all of them. We, we'll uh, we, we get this up here. Derek Pender, um, 
Why is he so angry? Ask him, being a fullback, are you supposed to run? Why don't you ever run? <laughs> <laughs> well, put it like this, but Derek, Derek wasn't technically gifted enough. He didn't hear any run at all. Like, yeah, yeah. He just so started. he just has to run and tackle. That's yeah. his game. Where I was a bit more cultured, so I was able to play the ball. Speaking yeah. of culture, you've got to bring up that goal in Galway. Like, what was that? Yeah, I, do you know what? We, me, myself and Dinny were only up in Terryland, obviously, a couple of weeks ago. And for for Wexy, sexy Wexy, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, and we were talking Did you reenact it like Phoenix in the Flames in well, fantasy it. football? I was saying, yeah. We never really got enough neck recognition for that. I think it was oh. all one touch, if I'm not mistaken, from Subs to Dinny to Georgie. Sorry, a one-two with George with Dinny. Um and he played it in the box, but it was all one touch football. And I was saying, you know, if Barcelona had a squad that would have been all over Twitter or like Dan gives me the goal with this goal. So I came into the ground. It was it was a cup game, which is timely. Wasn't yeah. it a cup game? Yeah. So I, I was I was walking in a bit late because I'd stopped off in O'Connell's in Air Square and I was trying to like smuggle craft beer into the ground as you did in those days and you get away with it because it you know it looked like like a can of lilt or whatever. What but you mean those days? Around like five years ago, Johnny. <laughs> I think it's even less. But, <laughs> so I was kind of late. The cops stopped me. I think there were cops because it was a Bose Galway cup game. Stopped me, confiscated the beer. I was like, oh, so I'm walking behind the goal to the stand and I look around and I was right behind you as the ball came to you. Dan, like, this is on the volley, like, outside of the left foot. Tackers. Oh, man. I was just like, this is unbelievable. Like, what was the score in the end? 3-1 or something? Yeah, and, and I, I remember, I think Dinny scored, I might have been Ward, he scored a great goal after mm. that where we played a little combination in and it was a 1-2 in the box. And, but like, I think the camera was on the other side, which didn't really capture how good it was. Yeah. I was behind it, but um, yeah, the cup, the magic of the cup. Magic. Now, he hasn't answered why he's so angry, though. Why are you so angry? Uh, do, you ever, do you ever hear of someone that's the biggest deflector? That's Derek Pender. Yeah. Like, so you can see his receding hairline so far already, <laughs> and that's because of the stress that he goes under. Now, I'm not saying that I have the best head of hair in the world, but that's all because of his stress, of his rage. But because when I say it to him, he, he deflects. I, I did notice you. I think you were on the bench uh, in a shell game, which you may or may not like me remind you of. But I did notice you were wearing glasses. And I was just like, that just looks like a, a reader of the game was going to be a coach or something. You look like really sophisticated, erudite, kind of intellectual. And true enough. Are you any of those things? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Chelsea? Because I was like, it just seemed like you were frozen out or something. It, it seemed like a sour way for a tend as well. And obviously a lot of upheaval at Chelsea. But that must have been disappointing. Yeah, for me, listen, I really, really enjoyed Shells. Like, my time at Shells, I was there as a kid. I, mm. like, I was there as an underage. Obviously, I went back then again. Um, listen, I, I'll be honest, I, I supported them growing up. Um, mm. I went to the matches people within the club would still remember me going to the matches and I was there and many great memories with Shells throughout the years. Um, so yeah, the way, it, the way it ended for me personally was disappointing. Um, Were you surplus to requirements or? Yeah, listen, that's that's the way football goes. Sometimes managers have problem, or opinions. Um, I tried my best to do, do as much as I could for the, the team and try to drive as much as I could. I had... Still, I felt like I had roles and responsibilities within the club to, to try, you know, at the time, we were in the Premier Division, um, I tried to ensure that we stayed there. Um, listen, did I agree with everything? Probably not. Um, but at the end of it, at the end of the day, the manager's the end is the is the one who calls the shots. And all I can say is I tried my best to do as much as I can to prevent what happened that year. But 
listen, it's really disappointing. Was he uh, was he in a former teammate? Yeah, yeah. Ian Morris, yeah. He's the stranger probably, does it? Mm. No, like, listen, me and me and Ian were, were players are, yeah, in the same dressing room. At Bowles, yeah. At Bowles. So we knew each other inside out. And same, what I always say to people is that Morrow's very good. And even now, I, I've got a good relationship. You know, we, we shook hands. We sort of uh, went our separate ways. And, and that that's the way football ends, you know. Um you know, he's obviously went on the next year. I think they, they won the league mm. after they left. So, listen, he, he sort of, uh, he, he done what he could with the club to get them back up where they deserve to be. And, you know, for whatever reason, they went in a different direction. But Yeah, because no, it's, it's, it, I wonder now, like you and you're working with Ian Ryan and suddenly now you're coming around to the side of the house where you're going to be letting players go. You have probably let players go already this season. You'd be telling Lark if it's Gerald, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about the playing. Yeah. But, like this, but this is the thing, isn't it? Like all of a sudden, you, you, I mean, you're a part of these discussions or you have to watch Ian do it, that it's yeah. suddenly you're on the other side of the fence and you might, you might even see some conflicts from a different side that you would have in that single-minded player focus, which you have to have. Absolutely. And I think back throughout my own career now and I think like, you know, those situations where I was, you know, with previous managers, and I wouldn't say I'm the a bad egg in the dressing room, but I've always tried to voice my opinion and I've always tried to be the best possible character, whether that's giving the, the manager the the opinion that I think at the time and whether he does, likes it or not likes it. I think that's just the way I, I am as a person. Um, but I definitely look back throughout my career now, as you say, being on the other side and saying, could I handle that better? Could I have said this way? You know, and, and now you're thinking about little things and, and you... As players, probably, and I, I say this to some players now, is that you don't realise the, the the amount of con the amount of conversations that me and, and Ian will have about players, what they're doing, how they're living, mm. you know. And the, the league is so small. Like I speak to some players around the league or some managers around the league because everybody knows each other to a certain degree. So mm. there's always com conversations going on, and you know, players being doing stuff in dressing rooms. It all comes out, you know. It, it all you know, it, all, it will go to different managers, so they might get a turn off pl certain players if they hear stories from their own manager or from different managers to say he, he's not really good. He's doing this in the dressing room. He's like this. So, yeah, it's something that I'm learning now. Um, on the other side of the fence, as I say, uh, but it's crazy that the amount of conversation, the amount of detail that goes on about players that as a player you never notice. Well, yeah. I was doing a, I was just doing a, a piece on Man United last night. The last time that they lost five games in a row was in 1972 and it was um, Frank O'Farrell had just taken over and they were top of the league at Christmas and um, George Best just disappeared after Christmas. He didn't turn up. <laughs> so, so the point I'm making here is that obviously that was George Best but like with GPS now and you mentioned the stories, is there any room for Mavericks at all in even the League of Ireland anymore? Like, you know, are they just like definitely, definitely take off the GPS before you head off of Miss World or whatever? <laughs> I like that. Dan. The implication is that you'll be having sex. Is that no, no, that, no? Why well, would you? Why would you be having the GPS on with Miss World? The point is, you said a lot of people go disappearing, but you have GPS now. I just thought the two of them were related. Oh like, yeah, you know, I think like she find might be. I, I think she might have been Miss Britain actually. So whatever, like yeah. it is what it is. It's he like Europa League, yeah. but he just, he just <laughs> went missing, and they went on this seven game on losing run oh, or yeah. whatever. If Franco Farrell lost his job, but like. Can you get away with anything in the League of Ireland now? Like, There's always chances. Of course they are, Johnny. Of course they are. The GPS, the, the dogs' backs and all to try get, <laughs> but, you know, to try get the stats up. But, uh, 
you've done a lot you've done a lot of hill climbs here as well <laughs> but um, yeah listen there's always chances there's always mavericks and listen they're good sometimes they yeah, are, they're, you they're need a bit good. of crack as well like. exactly and mm. um, for me personally, like his best mate is Wardy. Like, <laughs> is there any room for Mavericks? Well, I don't know. I told, and I said this to Wardy when he was signing for Bows. We only had one year together. I think, and I says I'm going to end up strangling you by the end. Because for me, I was like, you know, all the talent in the world, but just and again, I bring this into me own coaching career now. One of the main things, and you look at last night with the Bow or with the sorry, the Man United Liverpool game. Should Man United? on current form beat Liverpool no but one thing they did they worked hard they worked hard so tell me this that's a nice segue is that the the mantra for playing Dundalk on Friday people will say you shouldn't beat Dundalk people would say you shouldn't beat Slugger Rovers you've you've done a job on one of them how do you feel about the other one listen it's 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 going to be a tough game obviously you know Stevie's been very good up in Dundalk and you know they're playing some brilliant football and you know he obviously has his own uh, establishment with the the winning the cup last year with with Pats, but listen as I say if uh, our, our non negotiables at, at Wexford are, are simple that if you work hard on them teams if you if you're willing to roll your sleeves up prepare to fight you're giving yourself the best opportunity then as you say talent is will only bring you so far so if Dundalk are not gonna you know go as go the extra miles with us. And hopefully that will take us over the line. It's a, it's a free hit for us to a certain degree, but mm. make no mistakes about it that we're trying to we're trying to uh, win the game. We we look to win the game, and we'll like like the same open goal or open Sligo. Sorry, we show no fear, no respect on the pitch. Obviously, they're they're a great club, they're a good team. We show them respect for it. But listen, when that final or when that whistle blows, we want to go after them. Another yeah, we're just, yeah another we're team with a little team of a very tough uh, cup game at the weekend. Dan is Drada. Well, it's not just Larkin who has a big cup tie on the horizon this weekend. Everyone involved with Drawdy United does as well. Probably trying to, I mean, they have beaten Shamrock Rovers this season, but there's still an element of it. It's a, a joint killing actor looking to execute at the weekend on Sunday. So we've got Connor Hoy dialing in, the chairman. Not really to talk about that, Connor, more so to chat about a piece that you did with me at the weekend in The Independent, which I think generated a fair bit of discussion. Um, where effectively, I mean, you, you can probably sum up your, your perspective better than I can, um, but the general theme of it is you feel that uh, for a part-time club such as yourselves uh, to survive in the Premier Division going forward, it's going to be difficult because you can see the the moves are shifting towards a full-time top flight. That's what you feel, right? And you're effectively looking for maybe investment to ensure you can keep up with that or else you may end up in the first division. Is that sort of a fair enough summation or you put it in your own words in terms of why you wanted to speak? Yeah, Dan, I mean, that's, look, you've, you've summed it up well there. Um, you know, it's interesting. Yesterday I note with the takeover of, of Waterford by the, the owner of Fleetwood Town and, you know, what he said in doing that, he saw the potential of Waterford and, you know, he's building it into a, um, you know, a network of clubs. I think he's got one in, in, um, He's got, obviously got Fleetwood, he's got one in, in UAE, I think he's got one in South Africa as well. So, you know, you, you can see what's happening at Waterford, you know, you see all the other clubs around, uh, you know, around the league and, uh, you know, don't need to name them all. Um, and, you know, we risk being one of the fewer part-time outfits. And really, if you want to compete in the top level in Ireland, you're going to have to be full-time. Now, we can do that in a couple of ways. We can try and go down the Bohemians stroke Sligo route, which is, you know, they're two fantastic member-owned clubs who really are a model 
for the rest of us in the league, um, which is really hard work. <laughs> and uh, and you, you know, you know, it needs a lot of input from a lot of volunteers and a lot of people to really drive something like that. I'm not ruling that out. Or you have to go down the the uh, external investment route. And I mean, you know, our budget, um, I've always been pretty open about this, you know, we're something like seven and a half grand a week playing budget. You know, now, the nearest competitors to us in the league are about 20 grand from what I understand. Um, apart from UCD, obviously. Apart from, yeah. apart from Harps and UCD. Yeah, yeah. you know, so, um, so uh, you know, look, and to be honest with you, it's, you know, Harps are in pretty much the same boat as us. I mean, I, I had an exchange with, with, with the chairman of Harps at the weekend with Ian, and, and what one of the great things about the article actually, Dan, it's, it's really prompted Lots of other clubs to get lots of other clubs to get in touch with me with their perspective. I had one other club owner, you know, really sharing loads of great information with me. So it's been really the, the League of Ireland community. You know, it's interesting when you break down some of the silly barriers between us. Everybody's incredibly helpful. We all want what's best for the league, which is really good. But uh, yeah, we we've put the call out there to see what we can um, see if there's anyone interested. And and uh, you know, I think we've got great potential as a club. Demographics wise, um, we're really well positioned, you know, new stadium wise, we've got some good plans in the offing, we have sites, uh, training grounds, etc. But you know, you can't achieve anything without money. It's unfortunate, but it's just the way it is. Yeah. So just to, to go back to that, then like the, the the response you've had from the week from the piece at the weekend, I think you've, you you tweeted something about there was sort of a large number of people from different clubs involved, and I saw Daniel Lambert and, and a few others sort yeah. of interacting with you. What's been yeah. the overwhelming tone of the response that you've received? You know, it's it's always a little bit split. Um, I think you have. Um, you know, you have some people going, "Oh, we don't want it to end up like like peak six, a peak six and dog situation." Now, you know, so there's people who are very cautious about external investors. I get that, right? To be honest with you, now I do sort of think about peak six. I was thinking about this a lot. You know, I don't think they were as bad as a lot of people say, and I know this may sound a bit weird. If you think about it, when Mike Tracy was there, and the dog were doing great, and they were top of the league, and all the rest of it, everybody was pretty okay with peak six. Peak Six didn't leave Dundalk with a massive bill. They didn't leave debts behind them. Where they got it wrong, and Dan, you well, there was a there was a massive bill. There was a problem, all right, but his name was Holzheiser, <laughs> I think. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is one way of putting it. But but if you think about it, the mainly their issues were around recruitment and people issues. You know what I mean? Rather than like they didn't they didn't walk away and leave a massive you know as I say unpaid bill there. Right? I thought they didn't. Where they got it wrong was around people. And then the wrong people involved in the club recruiting the wrong people, overpaying the wrong people, etc. So, you know, anyway, look, that's I'm just sort of slightly just defending what happened there. As I say, people think, oh, investors could come in and leave the club with a massive debt. Well, I look at it slightly differently. And I think, what if investors came in and helped to build a new stadium and helped to build a new training complex? And if that's, and if an investor walks away after that, and that's the legacy, is that not a good thing? You know, I mean, if if if, if that's because ultimately what football in Drogheda needs is better facilities, and it's always been, you know, I keep banging on about this. That's all that's really important. If I can walk away from Drogheda United whenever I do, and know that there's better facilities, a new stadium or a new training ground, then you have the foundations to have a great football club because the people are there. You know the demographics are there. It's it's all about facilities. That's the big thing. That's where we need the money for. Really, you know. Uh, I'm just going to bring Larkin Fitzgerald in here because Larkin, part of this piece comes from, um, and and John Martin was in here a couple of weeks ago as well, speaking about the 
what does the future hold for the part-time player? And I, I know you uh, you got a degree, I think, um, outside of football yeah. and you a job outside of football while you were playing in the league with sort of bows and shells. Um, and I, I think, you know, I'm kind of curious, do you see a future like Connor does and like a lot of people do where it's going to be impossible maybe to do that in the Premier Division to, to, to work and play? Yeah, to a certain degree, the way the game's going, the more teams are looking to get to go full time to be more basis to, to do double training sessions, you know, fitness elements, things like that. So there is a obviously demand for I think the majority of the teams now are, are, are going full time. For, for me personally, it was um, it was after Fingal went bust. Um, I was obviously full time with no job outside of football, and that gave me a real wake up at, at my age. I think I was yeah. only maybe twenty three. 24 but I did say to myself at that time that if you know at the time if I wanted to you know settle down if I wanted to get a mortgage things like that um I just I, I got a bit of a fright so that, that that led me into that um element of you know getting a degree to a certain certain degree yeah that's what I say mm. um but yeah no listen I think the way forward being being that I think like a lot of clubs are doing it now where you know, I think Shells have a link with use, uh, DCU, mm. maybe Bowes have a link yeah. with DCU. And I think that's a, a great emphasis on lads. Like, you look at the UCD structure, like, you know, there's lads coming out there and you just look around the league, like the captain of Shamrock Rovers, Ron Finn, came through there, has a degree in his back pocket, uh, Robbie Benson. You know, these teams, are big, mm. uh, these players are big clubs. Um, to name a few, you could go all around the league. But I think if they can incorporate some, some level of education where... You know, lads are going full time in the morning, but also you know doing education that in you, you, you give them that carrot that if it's two or three years that they sign and they go full time, they're also doing something in their part time or outside of football. Yeah. and you know, essentially whatever way they go, they can go full full time for the next ten years with the club. But then there's that element that if for whatever reason the way that the merry go round happens in the League of Ireland, that if they get bumped off or they, they get let go then they've got a degree in their back pocket so they, they can then go looking for a job yeah yeah because I think Connor you meant like we we mentioned like the, the the scenario here where you end up as the only part-time club is if Harps and UCD both go down um and if Cork and Galway or Waterford come up realistically uh, and then yeah, you're in a situation where you would be the only say part-time club under the traditional model that a lot of us would know League of I know that they do loads of training under Kevin Doherty and it's not any reflection on that but it's just more that you'd be training in the evening ultimately and everyone else be training in the morning because bows are, are going that way next year yeah and, and also you know some of our best players you know like we've a mix you know like you know if I pick you know I've got I've got Dara Markey or Dara's got a day job and like Dara's one of the outstanding players in the league you know so I, I have we might be if we do go full time we'll be moving in a hybrid basis do you know what I mean I, I wouldn't want to jeopardize losing some of these because you've got some really brilliant players who also hold their jobs as Logan knows do you know what I mean so so you, we always can catch some of them as well so we might go to some sort of hybrid model a bit like Bose have done over the last few years do you know what I mean before going full-time um but ultimately you know there are certain players we have who don't have other jobs and you know unfortunately what's going to happen is I'm going to have other clubs turn around and saying we'll pay you much more than Drogheda can pay them, but that's that's what happened. You know, we we lost James Clark to Bowes recently. Best of luck to James and all the rest of it. But you know, he was allured by the 
uh, he was lured by the um, you know the prospect of full time football with Bowes. You know what I mean? And I I get that, right? You know, I don't blame him. And you know, it's hard for us to compete. How do we hold on to some of our players who don't have second jobs? Um, without full time football, that's the bit that that worries me, you know. And how do you, you know, how do you really build up your academy? That's the other thing about a full time club. You really ultimately want to have a full time head of the academy too. Mm, mm. And that's what you've seen at places like, you know, Rovers. Look at Shane Robinson, the job Shane has done at Rovers, you know, and look at the revenue that what Shane has done at Rovers has created there for them, you know, whether it's with, you know, with all the players coming through. So, you know, you, you have to look at that model and, and the academy is what's really going to help sustain and drive revenue into the clubs. It seems, we see it with all the other clubs. It, you know? it seems, Connor, almost as it, it might even be more important than the manager's job to be the head of the academy in some respects. Gee, I, I think so, honestly. And I, I keep coming back to Shane again. You, you know, you look at what value is being added to the club from the academies that are doing it right. Look at Pat's, same thing. Fantastic job there. So y- you are right. And that has to be ultimately a full-time role to really do that. And I think I think the FAI want to see full-time heads of the academies in, in every club, which is great, by the way. This is, a, this is really good for the league. Um, I, I always say to people, you know, the most, the most valuable thing about Draw United at the moment is the sell-on clause I have for Killian Phillips, mm. right? That, and that's fact, you know, mm. that's the thing that actually if somebody was buying Drawdy United or investing in United, that's the most valuable asset we have. Mm. And that's our academy. And the more I need to do what Rovers and Pats have done, which is get another 10 Killian Phillips types deals going through the pipeline. And if two or three of them pay off, it changes your financials hugely. Yeah, and I mean, I think some of the responses you would have got would, would be people saying, well, member-owned is the way to go, um, Connor." And, and I certainly understand that sentiment completely, but I think, it's, I think part of the problem with this member-owned vision is that some clubs, whether it's population or demographic or history, are better placed to attract mm. more members than others, you know? Mm. And there are parts, I think, like, I mean, the Bowes one is absolutely thriving at the moment, but they've tapped into a, a fan base... And they have this sort of identity and, and something that people are, are all like the idea of being a part of it. I think it's slightly different in a regional town, personally, uh, to, to maybe attract. You can't be a Bowes in Drada. You can't be a Bowes in Dundalk, if you know what I mean. Oh, we know the co-op got hardly any members. When it's, I, hardly. It's, it's, I think you, sometimes you go out. You're right. To, now Sligo, yeah. Sligo, in fairness, Sligo mm. Rovers are doing a, a tremendous job of it. Um, They're an outlier. But, but the thing is, I think you go to, and I know from growing up in Laos that like, people's association with their team is different. They're not going to go to a team because the, the values of the club or, you know, that they stand for something. Mm. They, they support it in the way that they, if the local GEA team was going well, they'd go to the final. They'd, it's different. It's completely different. And I think it's, it's, I think it can be too narrow focus for people to think that the members model in a city club can equate to a, a regional Irish town. That's 100% my opinion. And I think that's yeah. where I'd have some sympathy for you that it's difficult to think you can just suddenly attract all these members who are going to pay X yeah. amount per year and come on board. Yeah, it's uh, we we don't get me wrong. We, we really try and we have increased our membership. But, you know, crowds are up, the next generation, loads of kids coming in, bringing parents. Like We're doing all the right stuff. It's just to get it from where we're at to where somebody like Bose or Sligo are at. It's, it's like Sligo are phenomenal. You can't walk into Sligo uh, a town without seeing the football club everywhere, every bar you go into, it's football, football, it's the football club is Sligo. And Bose have just, you know, through really clever positioning and marketing, have created this brand 
and you know they can't <laughs> you know they've it's a waiting list versus you get into daily meds so you know but it's you're right regionally it's just different you know the the whole the population the type of you know the type of supporter base is different in, in regional towns it just is you're right dan i agree with you mm. So how are you feeling about the the timelines on this then? Because you, like you've put something out there, um, yeah. like I mean, have you had sort of contact from people? I know you, it's mentioned like you've already had discussions, but yeah. like like you know, where where do you see draw to being in twenty twenty three? You know what 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 do you expect your structure to be in January February of of next year? Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? I mean, um, yes, I've had some interesting conversations in the last forty eight hours. Um, in an ideal world, you know, I'd love to in the next couple of months before the end of the season have some concrete proposals uh, to put in front of the members of the club. Um, in an ideal world, you'd love that to then transfer into us being a full time club next season, you know, which really, in effect, you'd need to be getting ready from November, you know. Um, but I think the likelihood is, regardless of what happens, I think we'll probably in, be in some sort of hybrid model next season. I think even just you know, everything, you know, when you look at being full-time, it's full-time manager, uh, full-time assistant manager, physios, um, you know, all the players, et cetera, finding training facilities that you can use during the day. You know, it, it's, I'm not sure we can get it done in time for next season, but look, as I say, if, if the right people come in with the right amount of money, we might be able to do something. But the truth is, Dan, I might attract no investors. Mm. You know, it's all very well for me to look at it and say, oh, look, the fella uh, bought Waterford yesterday and he thinks it's got enormous potential and Drada's got more potential. Um, you know, and I think we are an attractive proposition. Um, but, you know, maybe people out there are looking to go, no, thanks. And maybe I'll be still in a trying to drum up new members come November and trying to build revenue that way again. So, uh, and maybe the member, maybe I bring a great proposal to the members of the club and they reject it. But I think, you know, even when I look at Galway, Johnny, when, you know, the proposal to the members club there, ultimately when the money was being proposed, I don't know what their vote exactly was, but it was carried pretty easily. Uh, I was it? like 87, 13, but that, that, that was because, um, and I mean, I'll be honest, I abstained because I, I didn't know enough. To, it was I was on Zoom that night and it was hard to know exactly what the proposal was. So I, I, I was like, I'm not giving up ownership of the club because I think ownership is precious. But at the same time, you know, the co-op has a tiny membership and it's just not sustainable. So it was, yep. you could see why people voted that way. A couple of last things for me. Um, this has been a game changer in the League of Ireland the last few years, hasn't it? Where it, it went from looking at a complete basket case for anyone to get involved into the Comers, Philip O'Doherty, um, Dermot Desmond, um, you know, Garrett Keller getting involved where people can sense that there is opportunity here now. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's just happened in the last two or three years. And it's a culmination of, you know, the increased interest. But it, it won't get to its potential, like a broken record, here I am, until we have the facilities addressed. Mm. And I think, Dan, you know, you've always said this, you know, it's how it looks on TV, right? And that's what changes it. And, I, you know, I, I think I said that thing the other day, just... If you look at Boston United, a, a non-league club, right, in, in, in the UK, and they've just built a 12 million pound, 5,000 seater stadium, uh, standing room as well. And if you just go on to YouTube, you'll see an amazing just two minutes on it. And you just look at that and you think, God, if the League of Ireland had 10 of these, the product would look amazing on TV. It would be attracting more money from the, whether it's the Sky Sports or whatever it may be. Until the product looks a bit sexier and a bit more attractive and a bit more family friendly, you know, we will not really reach our potential. So ultimately, I, I you know, I want 
you know, I want the money to be coming into the club to build facilities. And I think it goes the same for every other club. Harps would be exactly the same. Um, and Shells, what Bows are doing, everybody. If we could be in a situation in five years' time where we've got amazing facilities, then the league can really go on to 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 to, to meet its potential. Just finally, obviously, like Tim Clancy was hailed as the job he's done. Kev Doherty has done an amazing job. Do you then say to Kev next season, well, you need to somehow manage this or just give up the posts? Uh, or like, how does a hybrid model even work then as a manager who obviously has a day job? Yeah, well, firstly, he's been absolutely brilliant, right? Uh, and, you know, he, he's such a, a, you all know Kev, he's just such a good bloke. He loves his football. He loves the club. Doesn't he's love Damien Duff, though, does he? <laughs> <laughs> ah, listen, that's a bit of fun. To be honest with you, that's just, look, Kev knows all the guys, you know, the Joe Casey's and everybody from Shells. And you know what I mean? He's got a different relationship with Shelburne um, going back and everything. I think it's a bit of fun, that. And I think... Uh, you know, I think underneath it all, Damien just needs to, you know, just not take it too seriously either. You know, we all, all these managers work incredibly hard. Trust me, Kev's up at four o'clock every morning to do a day job before he's the manager draw the United at all. So, you know, everybody has to commit a lot of time, doesn't see their families. And I think we need to respect every manager in the league because the amount they actually put into mm. these jobs is phenomenal. So it's beyond Damien as every single manager. Anyway, coming back to your question, Johnny, um, the um uh, I, I would say for kev you know if we got the right investment in i'd be saying to kev kev can you take a career break and uh stick, and stick with the post office time? yeah yeah you know i mean that's that's what you'd be saying and and of course you know there's a financial implication for that for mm. the club and for kev and all the rest of it so we'd have to sit down um maybe the hybrid thing could be somewhere in the middle of that you know when i say hybrid by the way i might mean starting training a bit earlier like three o'clock or something or you know seeing if the guys who have jobs can be a bit more flexible with doing the odd morning a week or something do you know what i'm getting at you know it's it's, it could be just something a little bit in the middle before you go full time so so we'll see how that how that uh how that plays out, you know. Okay, well, listen, Connor, it's been great having you on to sort of get your get your views across on that, and then um, yeah, we'll be interested to see, interested as we say, to see where that all goes for you. But uh, yeah, we really appreciate you dialing in to join us today, Connor, and we will speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you soon. See ya. So there we go. Um, actually, Lorcan, I should mention Connor Root was in touch with us, um, Wexford fan. Just a couple of questions, and you may not be able to answer this, but he was just wondering. Is there any sense of what direction things might go at, at Wexford? There's a new CEO, Tony Doyle, there. And just wondering, yeah, sort of what type of discussions, more so probably Ian, but also yourself, have been able to have with him about what the plans might be here at this stage? Yeah, listen, Tony's come in. Um, I think he, he was announced a couple of weeks ago. So he has good ambition for the club. And ultimately, he met the manager a couple of weeks ago and he matches the same ambition because the manager has ambitions to, to bring the club forward as a structure. But so does Tony. So, listen, there is exciting times, hopefully, for, for Wexford. And, you know, he's been in already. He's, you know, done stuff around the, the, the ground and, you know, got the pitch or he's getting the pitch, trying to trying to make that a uh, playable surface be, be a little bit better. So, listen, he's loads of ambition and, you know, he's a good guy as well. I've met him once or twice. So, listen, hopefully uh, things are on the up around Wexford. Uh, and and as, you, as you see, you're talking about Connor there at the I think it all stems going back to what he was talking about. You know, you, you want all these infrastructures like rovers and things like that, but it all stems from being the club or the force team being, uh, you know, pleasable. So if if they're doing well, then it attracts. 
players. So yeah. I always say it, like if the first team are doing well and you look at the likes of Shells many years ago when they, they weren't doing so well, the crowds weren't there and things like that. And But with the, the revamp of the club and the first team doing well, you know, it then bodes down to the, to the academy doing well and things like that. And then, you know, they're able to produce players, they're able to get more crowds and things like that. But I think that all stems from the first team being well and or the first team doing well and then obviously attracting attention to the club. So, listen, Tony coming in is, is brilliant. Um, and hopefully next year we can we can uh, crack on and, and keep going. But, you know, for, for, the, for this year, obviously, he wants to do, continue doing what we're doing and then obviously we can try to get in the cup run as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I suppose different people with different opinions on what you said there, that I think, say, at Premier Division clubs, they would speak about, well, we can't, there's been too much of an obsession on the first team and we have to get the structures right. But I guess for a club like Wexford that has been pottering around down the bottom for the first division for a couple of seasons, there's a danger of slipping out of sight completely. And that's why this little bit of a revival this year probably is needed like it is an example where you can put more focus on the first team to try and as I said sort of just suddenly get the club out there again in the discussion because there has been a drop off in Wexford there was a couple of seasons finishing bottom and sort of I can't imagine there's many people in Wexford even following the team yeah that's it and that's the like obviously first and foremost we tried to say the brand of football that we're we're trying to play down in Wexford is is hopefully an exciting one and and it's good to come and watch Um, as well as that as you say there, there probably was a drop off, but there's players in Wexford that we know have been, you know, underage. We're talking about potentially going to Waterford, local teams around there, even going further, fail to Cork and players like that, or places like that. Sorry, should I say? Um, but we want to see that if we can then start doing well in the fourth team, hopefully we can track these players back to the under 16s, under 17s, mm. and then hopefully, yeah. as we've already shown that. We, like if you're good enough in the in the academy, the manager's going to give you an opportunity. I think since he's come in, he's give debuts to eight or nine lads in the academy. You know, so mm. there is a there is an opportunity for lads to to come in board and and obviously the financial aspect of it as well. We don't have the the monies of the likes of Cork and Ward, but so we are looking to tap into the youth. And I think we've you can see that with our squad this year. You, uh, there's a lot of youth in it. And you, you play as you mentioned, play some lovely football. Um, what's the hope of getting fifth and getting to the playoffs? How unrealistic is it? Yeah, listen, I, I think, if I'm being honest now, I think it's a straight shootout between ourselves and Treaty. Mm. Um, th- you know, there's going to be points dropped, there's going to be points getting still towards the end of the year. Um, so I think we played them last game of the year. So if for me, I think we have to at least take it to the end, like to the last game um, and give ourselves an opportunity that if it's a, a cup final at the end of the day, if winner takes all on the, la- the last day of the season, listen, we take that, but for us, the goal is get into the playoffs, mm. give ourselves an opportunity throughout the playoffs, and then obviously the the cup this weekend. Um, you know, you can let your minds think, but we're gonna go have a crack at Dundalk, see how we get on, um, and obviously try to win the game. And then, as you say, we'll see where we go from there. Can you give us any background to Ian as well when he was linked with the Watford job earlier in the season? You know, you see Watford now being taken over and either through loyalty or whatever reason decided to stick it out with Wexford, which I have to say, I mean. I spoke about, I guess, when when Neil Finn left Longford for Cork, everyone, almost everyone I, sp- I spoke to said, oh, it's, a, it's the only thing you can do, it's you, you're getting the Cork job. But it was in the middle of a promotion push, like at the end of a promotion push. And I was just like, well, if, if Ian Ryan has been given a chance by Wexford, there's just something unedifying about him jumping ship straight away. So there was some loyalty, it seemed, anyway. Yeah, no, listen, for one reason or another, he decided not to go. Um, 
you know, he, he did have the discussion. He spoke to the club openly with Wexford, saying he's going to meet them um, when they when they gave him a call and went through the appropriate channels. But for one reason or another, he just said that with with his own, uh, you know, his own project that he's building at Wexford at the minute, he he's seen it as a good opportunity, and he thought it wasn't the right time to ever leave it, as as he's quite excited by the, mm. by the project, and obviously the new owner coming in. Hopefully there's a there is a buzz around the club and hopefully we can just you know escalate that now and, and go up the levels what, of it. What have you made of the three full time teams in Wexford, Waterford, and Cork? Galway, Waterford, and Cork, rather. Sorry. Listen, and it goes back to what Connor is like trying to, you know, when you're talking about force teams, you're saying full time teams, the recovery they have, the the time they have with players. So we have limited time of on, on so we we try do as much as we can on the pitch, but then you know we try cram in a little bit of an analysis and things like that. So they obviously have. A lot more time to, you know, do these sort of things. Obviously, fitness is another thing, so they could be in the gym in the afternoon and etc. Mm. etc. Et so we put a bit of emphasis on our own um, players to try, you know, one day a week and get into the gym and things like that. But um, you know, so so obviously you're at a disadvantage to a certain degree. But ultimately, I think you know we played Waterford down there. We beat them three one a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think we drew. We lost the Cork a couple of weeks ago, and you know, but we've we've held our own against the the, the mm. big the big clubs, you know. And when you're talking about budgets and things like that, I know they're probably in a in a world of their own in comparison to ourselves. But um, you're training Carlo IT, which isn't a bad facility, one of those. Well, which, sorry, we, we were meant to go back in, but Carlo IT, I think the pitches were um, something happened with the pitches, so we, we ended up we're, we're at Ballon now. Um, where, where is that? It's in Carlo as well. Oh, okay. It's just a local club down there, but. Um, yeah, like as you say, the facilities are, are are brilliant there. Like there's an all weather, there's a pitch beside it, there's facilities, you know. But as you say, if if we could get them in a full time capacity, we could do a hell of a lot more. But you know, time is of the essence, and so. Final yeah. question for me then: Who is the best player in the first division? Because um, I actually don't know the answer to this. Oh, put me on the spot there now. Um, Could be Jack Doherty on his day. Yeah, listen, Jack's been brilliant for us. Um, but somebody that doesn't play for Wexford then. Okay. Uh, let me see. I'd probably go for Phoenix Patterson. Actually, that's, there we go. That's a yeah, radar. We have another quiz question, by the way. It's a very important thing. People have stuck with us till the end. Our quiz question for the Porthouse Brew this it's week. Stuck with us to the end. I mean, it's been very enjoyable. We've gotten through. No, like, but it's still yeah. an element. You still say that, don't you? It's like marriage. It's like, like people today, say that like people say they're long suffering, but they're generally, in most cases, reasonably fond of their partner. Yeah. But um. Yeah. yeah. When's your birthday, by the way? My birthday. Yeah. My birthday's next week. Yeah. Your actual birthday well, is My five year wedding anniversary is the week after. But when is your actual birthday? Thirty <laughs> first uh, of August. Thirty first. Yeah. So that's it's the twenty fifth anniversary of Princess Diana's death. So there you go. August nineteen ninety seven. Always remember that. Day of mourning for us all. Yeah. You're turning forty and yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um the quiz question. Um can you let's just keep it straightforward because uh, it's a group stage team because th- one thing that happens on Friday is the group stage draw mm. for um, the more than likely the Europa Conference League the Rovers are going to be in uh, can you name the player uh, the, the first player to score a goal for an Irish club in group stage football so um, I know the answer yeah I, I guess so, of the show I mean yeah I know uh, everyone, everyone's a guest but anyway that's the uh, I think most of that Rovers team have probably been a guest at some stage but one of them did score the first goal by uh, an Irish club in a group stage match which is the crucial thing this week's fixtures we'll just get through them here FEI Cup Wexford and Dock we're aware of that game on Friday Galway UCD we'll probably hear a lot about that game next week Derry and Cork on Friday Lucan and Bowes on Friday Bonaghee have got the Ability to play their game against Shells at home. So Duffer can go up and meet some 
real Bonaghy people up there. Um, <laughs> no badge kissers. No. Um, Saturday, Malahide Waterford, five o'clock. Maynooth University Town against Treaty. Um, let's see if any of the teams from the junior intermediate circuit can score in this round after that mad run, so the last putting, round. Putting the, putting the gauntlet out there. Well, I think they're a bit closer to the start or their season now, so I think it's a little bit fairer on them as well at this mm. time too. I mean, that's a, that's the crucial point. It wasn't to just sort of hammer them the last just time. Just got a text there from was a Keith start. Ward. Have you got Lorks on today, but smiley face? Anyway, well, let's get to that. What does that mean? Draw the Shamrock, <laughs> Draw the Shamrock Rovers is on Sunday and then we have have back fixtures on Monday. Stephen O'Donnell not happy actually about this that Sligo Rovers he feels are being rewarded for getting knocked out of the cup um, by playing Dundalk on Monday with sort of a 10 days prep also on Monday. Some Pats probably hoping that Bows are tired after playing Luke and that's again on Monday in Daily Mount and then Shells play Derry down in Talca Park. Dave Mooney taking on um, Bows I think as well uh, well remembered in the league yes being one of the yeah, one of the, the ex-players from uh, and yeah that's pretty much our lot down, yeah, no time for keyboards get his question and then he's he's missed his moment, so we'll just have to return to that Send one in the future. A photo. The, 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 there it is. Yeah, we'll have to get uh, we'll have to get Wardy on. In due We're course. done. Yeah, listen, colourful we will, character. We will indeed. We are. So we'll be back next week. And as I said, look out; those live show tickets will be going on sale on Thursday. Won't last long. And thanks to Future Ticketing, Porterhouse Brewery. Uh, thanks to Collar and Cuff. And we're here from Oliver Marketing and Glass We'll be back next week.